So I appreciated the worship team. They did a great job. Amen. I uh, and enjoyed the, the healing flow that was happening there. So, um, and one thing that I like to point out at the beginning of preaching is um, the Lord's not done healing. As, uh, as we know, it, he sent his word and healed them. And sometimes it's not even a word on healing. It just, his word contains healing. You know, it's, it's power, creative power, redemptive power. So, um, so if you feel the Lord moving on you and touching your body in a way that you know he's touching you, you could just stand up and wave at me so I know that he's healing you of something. Or if you feel an improvement in your body in some way, but I always like to, to give the Lord opportunity to do that. Um, so, so let's pray real quick and then I'll kind of tell you where we're going and I'm not sure how we'll get there. We'll see how it all works out. So Father, we just, we thank you for your presence here already. Um, we thank you for hungry hearts to know you, to know your word. Just thank you for the manifest presence, God. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. We just thank you for your peace resting upon each one of us and just declare that after tonight, not one person here will be the same as they came in. They will be changed. There'll be some veils that will come off. There'll be some truths that will be reestablished. There will be a newness of life in areas. So we just declare that. We thank you for your ministering spirits here to, to minister as well in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to um, first just kind of share what I saw as I was praying for this. This is, this is kind of weird, isn't it? I probably should scoot back just a little bit. Um, so um, the, the, I think the title, I think Tom said it was on, on the heavens. He, he put in Facebook, I noticed. And, and we are going to be talking about the heavens um, the, the whole series is really the reality of the spiritual realm, and tonight's number one is the exact title of that, The Reality of the Spiritual Realm. Um, and so as far as I know, we're still doing four Sunday nights at some point. It'll be, I think, June, there's somebody else. Then July, August, September, I'll be, I'll be sharing number two, number three, and number four. Each one will be slightly different. They'll overlap sometimes, building upon, uh, you know, the previous one, and... Um, I don't have them all titled yet, but I have a kind of a general idea of where we're going. Um, so let me get out my little, okay, 652, I see where I am here, so I don't. Um, but let me, just, let me just first share what I, just some things that I saw as I was praying for tonight. I was praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation, and uh, what I saw was basically like two 12-foot angels that, um, that are here in our midst, um, just, I don't know if one's wisdom and one's revelation or, or what exactly, but uh, they're definitely here and they're gonna be definitely ministering uh, in such a way that there's wisdom and revelation involved. Um, revelation so that you can see what's going on and wisdom to know what you're supposed to do with it, what you're seeing. Um, and then the other thing that I saw, not necessarily related to tonight's uh, message, but just in the theme of the, the, the reality of the supernatural realm, the, the reality of the spiritual realm. I saw that there were four angels, one on each corner, I believe of the sanctuary, but not necessarily directly in, kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. Um, and they are, they are, I think, called watcher angels, not the ones that sinned. There were some that sinned that you'll read about. Um, but these are the good watcher angels. These are like chief angels awaiting assignments based on this church's activities. Um, I think also they represent north, south, east, and west. That's just what I feel. Um, and so as a church, as we declare and, and do the works of Jesus and pray in those different directions, go in those different directions, then these angels are in charge of overseeing and watching that those are assignments are covered with the help and the resources of heaven. And then the other angel that I um, saw, when I say saw, it's not. it wasn't a like, you know, somebody here kind of seeing it. it was kind of a quick image, quick. And this is this is a lot of times how you'll see things in the spirit. Um, they're not always blow up in your face kind of things. In fact, if you wait for that, you'll miss 95% of what the Lord's doing. <laughs> so because a lot of times it's very faint, uh, but not always. Um, 
So, um, so the other angel that I, that I know is assigned here was a, a missionary angel, I guess, for lack of better words, uh, to the nations was the quotes. And uh, didn't see it per se, but I know that the outfit is like the coat of many colors because it represents the various nations of the earth. Um, so just something to be thinking about um, in the weeks and years to come. So just sometimes if you don't release the word, then there isn't faith to, to, to uh, receive what the Lord is doing uh, in, in that. So, okay, so that's kind of the introductory stuff that I wanted to, to get out before I get into this, into this part. So, so now why is the, why is the spiritual realm uh, the, re, the the understanding of the reality of it. Why is it important? And so we'll start with there. So Colossians three one says, "If you then be raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind or your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God." So we are to seek those things which are above. How can you seek and find? unseen things. So we're going to be talking about that a little bit. Set your affection, your, your, and, and so this is a, a continuous, the, the, the word seek is to seek, keep on seeking, knock, keep on knocking, ask, keep on asking, you know, it's from Luke 11. It's the same uh, phrase that is used to keep seeking. So basically we are in a journey uh, to continue to seek those things which are above. If, everyone, if anyone ever told you that you shouldn't seek supernatural heavenly things, well, you've been misinformed because <laughs> um, you're going miss, to miss out a lot. Notice also it says it's where Christ is sitting. All supernatural activity in the spiritual realm is only safe through Jesus Christ. There's only two, two powers in the spiritual realm that are working, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, Jesus and the satanic. There is no middle ground, you know, where... Oh, I, I believe in those, but I follow with this God of light or something. No, no, it's, it's either through Jesus or it's not. And, and if it's not, then it's uh, an angel of light, perhaps, or, we, you know, um, in, in the bad sense. So, so it's only safe through, um, through Jesus. And so it's not, you know, we, we, we need to understand it and, and not be afraid of it, obviously. Um, so... <clears throat> As we look here in, in Revelation chapter 4, it says, I looked and there before me, so this is John speaking, a door standing open in heaven, and a voice that I'd first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. And at once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. You probably know who that was. So John gets a peek into heaven, there's this door of access. It's an unseen uh, it's act activity in the unseen realm. It's unseen with the natural, but it's a realm that he visits with his spirit. Okay, so there is a natural realm that we all are familiar with, and a spiritual realm. Now, this is a Sunday night crowd, so you know it's um, this is kind of some of this is basic stuff, but um, it's also it can be a tougher crowd because you can't get away with things, right? So <laughs> you'd be challenging me. Um, <clears throat> So you live in both worlds at the same time. Paul, Paul, uh, not Paul, sorry, uh, Tom mentioned, I was thinking of Paul. Paul, uh, Tom mentioned that we are already seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's a now reality, so that's true. Uh, and both are real, but, but the spirit realm is actually more real yes. than the natural realm. And the reason for this is in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, he says, our, so even though our outward man is perishing, our inner man is being renewed day by day, um, verse 18 particularly, why we do not look at the things which are seen, but we do look at the things which are not seen. So if you're not able to see in the spirit, how in the heck can he tell us that we're supposed to look at those things if we don't have that ability? In fact, John 3, 3 says, except a man be born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. But if he is born again, he can see the kingdom. So we'll talk about more of that stuff kind of later. Uh, so you know that I'm not just pulling your leg, but for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So the things which are unseen are more real than the things which are seen. This is why we have to be careful when we go by doctor's reports and what we see going on in the world today. 
because we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes with God many times. I mean, we already win, right? It's already, it's already been done, but, you know, the devil gets to play a little bit and, you know, the church gets to put him under our feet and, and then Jesus is going to wrap it all up, right? So, but, but the point is, is that, um, the, and here's another verse here, by faith we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So again, while we look, we, we see. So if we're to seek, if we're to set our affections, if we're to look, then it behooves us to grow in our understanding of the invisible God who we're commanded to worship in spirit and in truth. <clears throat> the other um, thing that I want to mention, because we'll be getting into the heavens, as Tom mentioned, but... So we're also, we're also called soldiers in, in 1 Timothy 2. Yeah, 1 Timothy 2. Um, so you're in a warfare whether you like it or not. You were, you were, um, you were either in army of God or, or the, not really army of Satan, but I mean, I suppose in, in, a, in a sense you could see it that way. Um, 2 Corinthians 10 tells us that we that uh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war in the flesh, which implies that we war in the spirit. We war in the spirit. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We'll look at that verse later. But And then Ephesians 6, which we'll look at also later, it says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, world, so on and so forth. So all people, saved or unsaved, are eternal beings. John 5, 24 tells us there's going to be some that are raised to the resurrection of life and others will be raised to the resurrection of condemnation. Every one of us are eternal beings. You're not immortal in the sense that your body will die but you are an eternal being in the sense that you will live forever, either in the presence of Jesus or someplace not so nice. And we know that if you're born again, you're, you're in, right? I mean, you just um, praise God for that. There's, there's no striving or working, just receiving. So along this theme, Paul, by the Holy Spirit of God, was inspired to write this verse. And he said, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a body that is in the seen realm and we have two closely linked parts that are unseen, the soul and the spirit. Yet James says in, um, forget the verse, um, anyway, I think it's chapter two. He says, the body without the spirit is dead. So as we'll see, as we get probably to session four, it'll be a while, um, the body is just as important as your soul and spirit. There were false teachings in the early church, one of them called Gnosticism, which totally, uh, it just really wreaked havoc on people's flesh. It just, you know, that's why you constantly see in First John, Jesus did come in the flesh. He died, you know, like he really was because they just had such a distaste for the flesh, you know, and, and you know, cr crucified, just, you know, it's, it's bad, flesh is bad, but Jesus said, spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Like your flesh is good, you want to take care of it. You want to nurture it. The Holy Spirit, Romans eight eleven, quickens our mortal bodies, right? So, um, so the point is, is that, that each one is, is important. One day they'll all be raised up together. I mean, it's, you can't, it's really hard to separate. I mean, there will, will be a separation, but there'll be a rejoining, right? We, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says we have new tents coming. And we get a little bit of a preview of the new tent when Jesus came back and he had his new body, as you saw. Um, so again, we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, heavenly places in Christ. We're seated with Christ now. We're told to walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5, 16. Um, and this one here, if, it, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most pitiable. Or as New King James says, you're, we're, um, how does it say it? Miserable. Yeah, that's how it says it. So if, if, you know, if we, you know, why obey God? Why be persecuted if God isn't a rewarder? You know, if, I mean, 
if there's no purpose, if there's no accountability, if there really isn't an unseen realm and an afterlife, then what's the point of all this? We're missing out, folks. If you just die and it just becomes nothingness, I mean, I could, you know, anyway, so you, you get the point. Eat, drink, and be merry. It's the survival of the fittest, which is what the ev evolution teaching teaches. So um, you can't see my feelings or my thoughts or my love or my will. You can see it expressed through my body, but you can't really see it, right? Um, and it doesn't originate there. And, and the last point here is uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Not by sight does not mean without evidence, however. I've never seen my brain, and I hope I never do. I've never seen the wind, but I've seen the effects of it. And so in the same way, not exactly the same, because those are actually, I mean, you can track the wind and all that stuff. I, I get that. But Christianity is a series of evidences that lead someone to believe in someone that they may never see with their natural eyes until that day, yep. right? So it's not blind faith like, a.k.a. evolution, the Big Bang, where it's just, you know, it'd be like this building just suddenly after millions of years formed and it just came together and we had lights and we had chairs that, because they knew at some point people were going to sit in them and, you know, all this technology. I mean, that's, it's kind of, the, it's a lot more complicated, right? What we have with the earth not burning up exactly where it needs to be in its orbit and, you know, on all the other planets and it, it rotates. It's got order 365 days a year. Uh, you know, instead of evolution where it might be skipping back and forth and one day the earth is scorched. I mean, it's just crazy how you, but anyway, I, to pull it back in, the point is, is that um, it takes a lot of faith to believe in nothingness and to believe in things that, you know, just in, in my, I, I'm a big, I'm big into apologetics, right? I, I don't jump for it unless I have a pretty good, like, I really think this is right kind of thing. I've been wrong before, but Christianity, uh, in comparison to all the other religions, I mean, you, there just isn't anyone like it in terms of evidences that are out there, uh, let alone millions of testimonies. So, okay, so last one here, 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. Won't read the whole part here, but there's an army surrounding Elijah and his servant. The, the servant is freaking out. He says, don't fear because those that are with us are more than those that are with them. Elisha prayed, Lord, I pray you open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of the horses and chariots of God all around. Yeah. Right, so um, because the servant couldn't see the chariots two minutes earlier, did it make them less real? No, they were there the whole time. If God was to open up our eyes tonight, you would see a lot of angels and I mean, it's just, you know, two 12-footers, um, you know, the watcher angels. I mean, you, you and then as you're out and about, um, you know, I've, I've seen demons sitting on top of houses smoking because that was kind of the influence of the house and started praying for that house. And the demon starts cussing me out, you know, from across, you know. So anyway, I mean, this stuff is real. You know, I mean, I can't ever prove that part. And, um, but... If you've ever had any kind of deliverance ministry, you'll learn real soon, oh yeah, that ain't that guy. <laughs> and how is it that 10 people can't hold this person down? Right. You know, so um, anyway, so let's, let's, let's move on now. I want to, so here, Paul, he says a man, he's speaking of himself. He says, I'm going to move on to Revelations and uh, in the Lord. 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. So this is likely when he was stoned in Lystra in Acts chapter 14. Um, so what I wanna point out is because it says third heaven, this implies a first and a second are somewhere in the mix. There's two theories. One theory is the first heaven is the atmosphere plant, uh, the atmosphere rather. Second heaven is the planets and the third is the spiritual realm. So my theory 
which is other theories, is that the first heaven is kind of the natural realm, like to the body, and the second and third heavens are kind of like what we have with our soul and spirit, which is the second heaven is kind of the battleground and the place where principalities and powers, um, the ruler of darkness of this world kind of resides as best they can, including Satan himself. He's not in hell. And then the third heaven is God's dwelling place where paradise is. Not sure where the, the delineation mark is, but um, obviously in heaven you would not see demons walking around along with saints. There is a clear clear mark of you know distinction. Um, but So we're going to look at some of these uh, words here. So, so let's, so let's just, for this, you can, you don't have to agree with me. I mean, I, I can't prove it. I don't know, like for sure, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, from what I believe, I believe the, the first heaven is kind of the heavens that we see in the natural. So, um, so the second heaven, before I get to that verse there, so don't read it yet. No, <laughs> um, What's the second heaven about? God dwells in the third heaven. Satan was kicked out. I've got scriptures for that, but I didn't bring them along because we can read those in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel uh, sometime. But, um, but he still dwells in heavenly places. The heavenly places, what it talks about at Ephesians 6, is the same used, word used for heavenly father. So it is heavenly, heavenly places. Um, and let's see here. Yeah, I didn't want to get to that verse yet. Sorry, we'll go back in a second. I jumped the gun. Uh, you can just jot down Philippians 2. It says, that At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. So either dead or hell or both. But it says, knees will bow even in heaven. Now, I can guarantee you they're already bowing in the third heaven. So something else must going to be bowing in other heavens that's not bowing at the moment. Um, we also know that even after Jesus spoiled the principalities and powers through his death and resurrection on the cross, Colossians 2, that we are still in a spiritual warfare. Because Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, the first realm, but principalities and powers in the second realm. So before I get to Ephesians 6, just remember, I don't know if anybody's wrestled ever in high school. <laughs> uh, obviously, girls probably not so much. I was a wrestler. It was always more advantageous to be on top than it was on the bottom. And it was especially more advantageous to not be on your back while you're on the bottom. Because then you're in survival mode. You're just trying not to get pinned. At least if you're up on all fours and you're on the bottom, then you know, you're trying to escape. You're just trying to escape. If you're on top, you're positioning yourself so that you can win. Okay. So when Paul talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against those principalities and powers, just think of a wrestling match. You're trying to get the best position here. He may have a pretty good uh, stronghold in certain areas and in certain ways, but this is why we do some of the things that we'll talk about here in a second. So let's, Ephesians 6.12, I didn't get a chance to put this in the, <clears throat> in the PowerPoint. Um, so the first thing it mentions is a principality, which... Uh, begin, basically means the first or the beginning. It's the word A-R-C-H-E in Greek. Think of the top of an arch. It's the ruling angel, angel or the, uh, yeah, I guess the ruling angel for lack of better words. It's the beginning. So in, in heavenly places where that thing is, that's the beginning of the wickedness that tries to come down to the earth. Uh, the next one is powers. That word is exousia one who possesses authority. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus had all authority. He does. In Matthew 28, he has authority over the enemy. No question about that. But how is it that people on... Okay, so let's put it this way. Well, um, no, we'll get to that in a second. Sorry. Let me, let me go through the definitions first. Um... Yeah, so, and then the next one is world ruler, right? The rulers of this world, it means the, the ruler of, uh, I forget the Greek words, cosmos, and then ruler. So basically the ruler of the world, not the earth, but the world. We know that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. 
We know that uh, if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him, so it's clearly something different. It's about the world system that is dominated by Satan. Just look on TV, you'll see it. Uh, and then the last one is called wickedness. And that equals evil purposes and desires in heavenly places. So now we get to our Daniel 10. And it went too far. And it went too far. Okay, what's going on here? There we go. I didn't, okay. Okay, so here's the deal. Daniel's praying 21 days. He's on a fast. He's praying 21 days. The angel arrives 21 days later. He says, do not fear, for from the first day you began praying, I heard you. And your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. Don't ever think that when you pray, nothing is happening. Because it is. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael... One of the chief princes came to help me for I had been left alone there. The kings of Persia, these are not physical kings. Um, and now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come. So know that delays are not always God. Sometimes there's warfare between what I'll call the third heaven and the second heaven. Even in Paul in the New Testament, he said, Satan hindered us in 1 Thessalonians 2. And if anybody knew how to deal with the devil, I'd say it was Paul. <laughs> so how did angels or demons get exousia? The exousia is different from dunamis. Dunamis is power. Exousia is authority. How do they get that authority? Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But guess what? Not everybody comes to repentance. Not everybody, like the Lord wills, gets saved, right? Humans on earth willingly submit themselves through sin, through lust, or whatever. And Romans 6.16 6, says, Whomever you present yourself to, you are that one's slave, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Whom you submit yourself to, not what. <laughs> so Jesus has all authority over the enemy, but the devil can usurp authority on earth by people that give him that authority. You know, Bill Johnson says it all the time. The devil only has the authority that you give him. Believe a lie, you empower the lie. You empower the liar. Um, so, <clears throat> so another, um, so so this is this is kind of the, the principle that works. Different, you know. Um, so here's another good one. I, I love this one. Luke ten seventeen to twenty, the disciples have gone out and they. Uh, you know, Jesus sent them out two by two to heal the sick, cat, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, etc. Then the 70 returned rejoicing, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us in your name. That's true. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, because they are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Why did Satan fall from heaven? Obviously, he's not in hell, right? So again, when demons are cast out of people on the earth, the ruling principality or power over those people, the demons that were in those people, they suddenly take a hit. They, take, they lose some footing. They lose some authority because the pawn that they were controlling those demon influences are no longer controlling that pawn. And so now that person is now under the sway of the kingdom of heaven. And Satan falls from that position that he was holding because of human agents. Okay? Um, human vessels cooperate through lies, through sin, uh, allowing access. And, um, you know, the atmosphere that those people bring can also affect others around them because the people bring their critters with them. <laughs> yep. 2 Corinthians 10 says that we pull down those strongholds. How do you pull down thoughts or how do you pull down imaginations up there? You pull down imaginations up there by not partnering with them, number one, on earth, and number two, by getting people set free down here. Yeah. 
and then it displaces them in the heavenly realms. Because every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus in heavenly places is there for you to fill in the gap where the enemy once held position. Because technically he's not supposed to be there. But because people have partnered with him, he's usurped that authority, he's gotten that position, so now he needs to be knocked back out of there. Needs to be, yes, needs to be kicked out of there. But let me say also, (laughs) so we deal with those things primarily on an earthly level. What I mean is we trample on serpents and scorpions. Those are earthbound kind of at this level kind of a thing, right? Mark 16, you'll pick up serpents. Those are things that are all on the ground. So you, you want to be real careful, I guess. The point is, is that you never see Jesus trying to cast down a principality. He always dealt with humans and people on this level, and that's how Satan fell. Because if you try to attack a principality that has authority to be there, then you're fighting against the ordinance of God because all authority is established by God. And authority established by God is something that we cannot fight or rebel against, right? Because then we're fighting the ordinance of God. That's why when, um, I think it's Jude, where um, they were disputing over the body of Moses, Satan and I forget the angel, but he says, the Lord rebuke you. You know, he didn't. I mean, there, there was, so... Now, that's not to say that the Lord won't show you something and you're supposed to do something, you know, but, um, but we can get into trouble if we're not careful when we try to take things on that the Lord has not told us to take on. And this is why we always focus on casting out demons, healing the sick, raising the dead, getting people healed on the earth level, and we'll, we'll let those things fall via... You remember in, in uh, Mark chapter 5, those demons thousands of them in that, in that man, and he brought that atmosphere with him. All the people freaking out because he's crying, cutting himself in the tombs and roaming about like a wild man naked. And he gets, Jesus casts out the demons. What'd they, what'd they say? Please don't send us out of the region. We don't want to have to answer to our boss. I, I'm just interjecting. I don't know why, but they like, they like areas, right? And you can pick up on that sometimes. Another story, um, so here, here's the deal. There are, are two ways that we can trigger in, our, in the unseen realm. Number one, we can trigger, and we're going to talk about triggers more later, but we can trigger because of wounded uh, wounds in our heart, unhealed wounds that we have or maybe fears can trigger us. And suddenly we're, we're freaking out or, or whatever. The other thing that can happen is we can trigger because we're picking up in our spirit things happening in the unseen realm. It may feel like you, but it's really not you. Suddenly you have this lust, like what the heck? That, or, or you're getting angry, or, or you're feeling fear all of a sudden. Like It's like, what the heck is going on? This is not me, this is irrational. I, I, don't, I don't act this way. And sometimes when people don't understand that it's not really them, but they're, they're picking up in the atmosphere, you know, the, the strong hold, if you will, that's going on, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't, we don't, don't just start casting that thing down, but we just, Lord, I have an open heavens. At least in my region, it's open, right? I mean, in, in Nazareth, there was a great unbelief going on, but Jesus was still open heavens. He was able to heal people that were around him. Right? But there was definitely an atmosphere of unbelief that definitely stopped what God wanted to do. Um, that's why in many cases you'll see Jesus would, <laughs> you know, they laughed him to scorn. The child is just sleeping. He got them all out of there. Yeah. Why? He needed to have an atmosphere that was not an unbelief atmosphere. And when that happened, he was able to raise the child from the dead and I don't go tell anybody, you know, feed the child and, and so forth. So... Um, so we trample on earthbound demons. We pick up serpents. Uh, we displace them by Romans twelve twenty one. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And Acts ten thirty eight. We do it the way Jesus did it. He went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Um, there's another example that um, 
Bill, Bill Johnson has shared, they, Reading was very full of poverty in certain areas many years ago. And so they said, we're going to displace that by sowing generosity in the area. And now it's, it's a, great, a great economy. I, I don't know, I don't have the statistics, but by not just casting down spirit of poverty, whatever, no, they just, they sowed the opposite spirit. You sow the opposite spirit. The Lord may give you different strategies, okay, but primarily if you don't know what to do, you do the opposite because the devil always does the opposite of what God wants done. <laughs> you know, when, I, when we were supposed to close the church, my goodness, you would not believe the resistance that we had to keep that thing open. I'm talking about my church. I was a pastor once back in. It's just crazy. You would think, why would, why would the devil want a church open? You know, so we can't go by our natural uh, thinking on, on that. So uh, the other thing I want to mention out before we get out of the second heaven is only a third of the angels fell, which still means that God outnumbers, the, the good angels outnumber two to one. Okay, so we, we, we think this is true because it says Satan drew a third of the stars with him. So we assume that the other two thirds were the good, good guys and, and all that stuff, right? Of course, Satan outnumbers them all anyway. So even if it was zero to three, he still wins. The other thing to remember is that Satan is the opposite of Michael, not God. He's not really even a match for God. No. Not at all. So just think archangels, not God and Satan. It wouldn't even be just, whew, that dude would be nothing. The other thing I want to say is the second heaven is not all full of evil just because those things are dwelling there, right? At least by two to one and every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So there's a lot of good stuff going on, you know, over atmospheres and, and cities and nations and, and so forth. But I want you to see, you know, from this, uh, Daniel chapter 10, there are, you know, there are rulers over cities and states, nations, and that stuff is real. Um, the last thing I want to say about this is you can also sometimes get second heaven dreams and second heaven dreams are often dreams that are negative that you get uh, and don't let them freak you out because what, what they are is usually it's the intent of the Lord to show you what the enemy is planning to do and he shows you how to pray against it. You know, like somebody's in a car wreck or you're in a car wreck or you, oh, I see what the enemy's trying to do. Now I know what he's, what his plans are, and I pray against it. I pray the opposite. So we'll, I th we might get into dreams more later, but um, all right. Let's see here. Oh, man. <clears throat> so uh, the spiritual realm is all around us, okay? Hebrews 5, 14, uh, solid food belongs to those who are by full age, who those by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Because you have the Holy Spirit in you, you can begin to pick up on things in the spirit realm. You're in training, so you will discern wrong at times. But your senses can discern good and evil. You can feel God's presence. You can also feel the demonic. Uh, you can smell God sometimes. I don't know if I've ever done that. Maybe once. You can also smell the demonic. Definitely have smelt that. Uh, you can pick up on things in the spirit. You can see things. I don't understand it all, but there are many different atmospheres. And so just be sober because you can pick up on stuff in the atmosphere through a gift of the Spirit, which we all have access to, called the discerning of spirits. If it was only a gift that only a few would have, then this verse wouldn't exist. But because discerning of spirits is for every, quote, mature believer, then you can operate in it just like you can all the gifts because you have the whole Holy Spirit, not a junior Holy Spirit, right? So... <clears throat> Yeah, there, um, I kind of talked about that. Donna De Silva had a story about three guys that were in a band and every time they would cross the county line into this other county, they'd start bickering and fighting and threatening to close the band and and they got out of it, they were fine, they come back through that way and, and so they finally realized it was the atmosphere they were going into had a strong premonition to do this and so they determined to just keep quiet as they drove through it. <laughs> that was the strategy of the Lord, you know. Sometimes you, your, your best offense is just not necessarily a, a full-on assault, frontal assault, so to speak. It's you just you be wise, whatever God tells you to do in it. Um, so 
So remember that anything moves you from your norm is probably not you. And something that Donna De Silva said, if she says if it's on someone, this thing that you're dealing with, then it can shift as you're releasing the kingdom. But if it doesn't shift, then it could be a regional thing going on. And, and she says you displace it. So you displace it by doing good, you know, sharing the truth and so on and so forth. Um, and, and so the goal of that is we want to get rid of triggers that we have uh, or hooks. You know, the, uh, Jesus said, the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me. So the normal is kingdom peace. And if you're not experiencing that, then maybe uh, in an area, then it's time for a sozo. And, and you can even sozo yourself. Uh, but um, so, yeah, we, we pick up on, on different atmospheres. Uh, the world, the enemy is broadcasting junk, lies, propaganda all the time. So the last thing, just keeping in mind with the spiritual all around us, there's no lack in the kingdom of heaven's realm. Jesus modeled tapping into bringing heaven to earth constantly. If he needed to pay taxes, had Peter go out and get a fish, and that had money in its mouth, right? If he needed extra bread or fish, he simply, it happened. From heaven's perspective, there was no lack. Uh, speak to the storm, right? Not all natural disasters are natural. <clears throat> Some of them are demonic. God gets blamed for all natural disasters. Oh, yeah. He gets blamed for all the trouble going on in the world because oh, yeah. people don't believe in the devil. Not really. Yeah, God did it. If he, God loved us, why did he allow this to happen? Why did he allow that to happen? He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. <clears throat> the storm comes up. Jesus is asleep. He rebukes it and says, peace, be still. The peace inside Jesus conquered the outer storm. The supernatural is always more powerful than the natural. So the spiritual outranks the natural. Walk on water, he could do it. All right, um, so next we want to get to, let's see, what do I have here? Uh, okay, third heaven. So I want to trans transition into the third heaven where God dwells, and now we want to do the video. Do I need to turn this off when we do the video? No? Okay. So go ahead and uh, fire the video. This is about a six-minute video, I believe, and uh, then we'll move on. Tell me about that time that you went to heaven in 91. Well, I was, again, minding my own business, just praying in the church. I was all alone, on my knees, actually, and my hands lifted up, and I saw what I describe as my angel's arm in the middle of the air, from about the elbow down, and he said, take hold of my hand. And when I did that, I saw my left arm come up out of my body, grab hold of his hand, and then we were gone. In fact, it was, was there any fear at all in this experience? I mean, it's unknown. It's unknown. Um, Uncharted waters. <laughs> when you're, you know, the presence of the Lord is, is such that even if he's delivering bad news, there's a peace that goes with it. I see. And so I was already in prayer, and there was a peace. There was a little uncertainty in my mind, like, what is this? But um, we were going so fast that be, by the time I had the idea to turn around and try to find our church and our little town, I could not even see the earth. I, it was going through space. The distances are so vast. Sometimes you think when you're out there that they're going to get closer, but it's the same. And I was looking around, and then I felt a deacceleration. And I looked up as I was holding on to his hand, and uh, uh, suddenly there was this huge walled, uh, we were coming up almost on the corner, about 20, 22 stories high. And we came up over the edge, uh, over the wall, and I saw all sorts of buildings, all sorts of architecture from all over the world, all different ages, wide streets, narrow streets, and land just stepped down in uh, grass that was about halfway up my, my shin. How'd that feel? Uh, I don't know that there was a feeling to it. It was all, I was taking it all in. This was all, it was both comforting and yet fascinating and, and amazing. And so on our right was a wall, a low wall, and homes and different things like that. And in front of us was a, what I would say the tributary or, or the river of life itself, about 50 feet wide, with grass growing right down to its side, right down to the water's edge. And in the distance, some hills and, and trees and such. And what was fascinating was the whole place just vibrated and moved with the presence of God. And I found my eyesight to be so perfect. I remember looking at a tree about a quarter mile away, and I'm just curious about the leaves because they're slightly different than what I'd seen on earth. 
And as soon as I had the thought, I, I zeroed in, on, not only like a binoculars or even a telescope, but I, I was curious about what all this, this humming, this beautiful music was. And I saw down to the cellular level and I saw the, the molecules just vibrating. And I realized that every single plant, every different plant had a different vibration, almost frequency, almost sound that contributed to a whole orchestration of a beautiful sound that just permeated everything. It's like a symphony. It was like a symphony. I mean, the grass had a certain sound to it, the, the different flowers, the trees, it all was like that. Uh, well, what about the, the family pets that you saw? Pets. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that's very curious to me. People sometimes want to know if animals are in heaven, and I, I remind them that Elijah was taken away by a, a chariot of fire and, and horses right. during that, and Jesus returns on it with horses. Um, we had a golden retriever named Abby, and I apologize, apologies to anybody named Abby out there, but our golden retriever was named Abby, who was hit by a school bus January 3rd of 1989. And we prayed, our children were younger, that she'd be in heaven. And we, we took it from that perspective that there are horses in heaven, so why not dogs? Well, suddenly we're standing there, and suddenly I see this rustling through the grass. And, and I couldn't quite see because the grass was so tall, but suddenly at the river's edge was Abby, our golden retriever, and my pet monkey that I had when I was 14 named Tilly, a little squirrel monkey. And they jumped, uh, in fact, Tilly was on Abby's back, jumped the river all 50 feet in one bound and came over and sat down and she had her tongue out, not because she was tired, just, you know, a dog. And she looked up at me and suddenly I heard her thoughts. And she said, where's Barb and the boys? So they can communicate uh, in heaven. Well, that's what I, I looked at my angel and as soon as I looked at him, he said, in heaven you are given access to the Father's unlimited knowledge as you have me because it's governed by love. And uh, you know in, the, in, in the, the writings of Josephus, the Jewish historian, he says that uh, he, he writes it as the animals could talk to Adam and Eve and that there was communication. I believe what Adam walked in was the supernatural power of God that he had words of knowledge and he had access to, to God's knowledge. Uh, you know what also fascinates me is at times a window, when he's speaking, a window will open up, and it's a window to heaven. Tell me one time it opened up and what happened. Well, this is uh, oftentimes when ministering, and, and again, um, this particular time was a lady who had lost her husband about a year earlier. And suddenly I saw my angel standing next to her. And so I, I said, what are you doing here? And he says, the father wants her to know some things. And suddenly in the living room was a huge window um, looked like a widescreen TV or something like that, and I saw into heaven. And I saw her husband, who I met once, uh, walking along, and he had his back to me, walking along with an older man that I just knew was his father, and they were walking along the river of life. And I asked my angel who I was seeing, and he mentioned this man's name, and I said, who's the other man? And he said, his father. And I said, well, what are they talking about? And he said, it's none of your business. But I can tell you that they are talking about things that happened earlier in their lives, and they're reconciling and having a chance to go over some of these things. That is, that's an amazing thing. Hmm. So that's pretty pets in heaven, reconciliation discussions going on. There was a, a book that I um, read. That's uh, been three or four years now. It's called... Um, Near-Death Experiences and Evidence for Heaven by J. Steve Miller, um, or NDEs for short. You know, uh, there's many stories where people get to actually visit hell and the reality of hell. Um, this book doesn't really hit those, and I didn't want to give you hell stories. Um, but I, I do have a few other stories here besides this video here that, um, that talk about the, the reality of of heaven, basically. Um, so this first one, Dr. Raymond Moody wrote a book called Life After Life. He's one of the earliest researchers to seriously study and popularize NDEs. Uh, so it's unlikely that his subjects uh, heard about this stuff so that there was some psychological explanation that, um, for people having these before because they'd never seen it. You know, uh, it just wasn't popular at the time. Uh, Moody came from a non-religious home where his father scoffed at religion. So he grew up thinking that death was the end of life. While studying philosophy at the University of Virginia, 
he heard about a Dr. George Ritchie who had been declared dead and later regained consciousness, reporting of a fantastic experience. Dr. Ritchie reported dying of double pneumonia. He passed around a copy of his death certificate for the students to examine, and while he was clinically dead, he left his body making observations that he would later confirm by visiting the location. He could walk through people and doors. Laws of space and time didn't seem to apply. He could think of a place and be there immediately. He returned to the hospital room to find his body and a voice which said, Stand up. You are in the presence of the Son of God. A magnificent being appeared and showed him every detail of his life, from his birth to when he was pronounced dead, all within a few moments. The being asked, What have you done with your life? And he replied, Well, I was an Eagle Scout. The being responded, that, Yes, but that only glorified you. Then the being sat next to him and allowed him a glimpse of the heavenly realm. Finally, Dr. Ritchie returned to his body. Moody became friends with Dr. Ritchie, eventually dedicating life after life to him and catching his passion for psychiatry. Ritchie spoke of his experience, um, or well, he, um, when he would spoke of this, oftentimes people would come up to him and share uh, similar stories. And he said, could it be that this experience was common, but people were reluctant to report it out of fear that people would think they were crazy? When Moody began teaching philosophy at East Carolina, a frustrated student approached him suggesting they should focus on important stuff like life after death. The student described being in a car accident where the doctors had pronounced him dead, and before he was resuscitated, he found himself fully conscious outside his body. He traveled through a tunnel and met a person who let him see his entire life. It changed his life, and to that student, it was more important to talk about uh, afterlife than philosophy. <laughs> um, Another one here, uh, Dr. Pin Van Lommel, a world-renowned Dutch cardiologist uh, working in a hospital cardiac wing where clin clinically dead patients were often resuscitated. He began to rethink his naturalistic assumptions. According to Van Lommel, I grew up in an academic environment where I was taught that, if there, is, that there is a reductionist and materialistic explanation of everything. And up to that point, I had always accepted this as indisputably true. What changed his mind? Many of his resuscitated patients reported trips to the other side in viv vivid detail that occurred when they were clinically dead, while their lifeless bodies lay on hospital beds. With hearts flatlined, they reported, and, and brains incapable of producing consciousness, they reported experiencing something that was vivid and life uh, astounding. <clears throat> um, yeah, and they, there was corroborating evidence. Patients saw things that it was impossible for them to see, you know, doctors and different things in the room. One reason Van Lommel's research intrigued me was his location. He interviewed patients in Holland where most people don't believe in life after death. If people who didn't believe in heaven had vivid heavenly experiences, then you could hardly experience attribute the experience to a rather boring expectation of death and then nothingness. But remarkably, the experiences reported in Holland paralleled his experiences that he found in America. His conclusion, there is life after death. And the most significant part was that of an encounter with a personal being of light. Story number three here. There's just a few of them. I cut this way down, but several of them Seeing dazzling colors, the colorblind are able to see, the blind are able to see, those that are paralyzed are able to walk, all the pain vanished, immersed in feeling of love, um, no time or space there, that comes up like three or four times. <clears throat> Another couple of interesting ones are when children have NDEs. So seven-year-old Katie was found floating face down at the YMCA swimming pool. And the, the researcher and med physician was able to resuscitate her and she had massive swelling on the brain, no gag reflex. Artificial lung gave her 10% chance to survive. But astonishingly, she made a full recovery within three days. When she returned for a follow-up appointment, Katie recognized Morse and he told her mom, yeah, this is the doctor that did this and this one had the beard and... I saw this big room and they moved me to a smaller room where they did x-rays on me. She mentioned other details like putting a tube down her nose, uh, all accurate, but when she was basically eyes shut, 
brain out of it. So Morse asked her if she remembered anything about the drowning, and she responded, oh, do you mean when I visited the Heavenly Father? Well, that sounded pretty interesting to Morse, so we said, yeah, that's, that's a good place to start. Tell me about the Heavenly Father. So she says, I met Jesus and the Heavenly Father, and perhaps it was his shyness or her shyness or his shocked expression where she didn't say anything else the rest of the appointment. Um, so next week, she was more talkative. There was an additional darkness than a tunnel through which Elizabeth came, tall, nice, bright with golden hair. Elizabeth accompanied uh, Katie through this tunnel where she met several people, including her late grandfather and two young boys named Mark and Andy. She also reported visiting her earthly home where she saw her brothers pushing a G.I. Joe Jeep and while her mom cooked roast chicken and rice, knew what they were wearing, the parents were shocked at the accuracy and the details. Um, she was, so finally, Elizabeth took Katie to meet the Heavenly Father and Jesus. The father asked if she wanted to go home. She wanted to stay, but then Jesus asked if she wanted to see her mom. She said yes, and then she woke up. It took about an hour for her to share the experience, but the compelling evidence that she was sharing was, uh, I mean, Dr. Morris just, he was convinced that she had experienced this. Um, and they were, they were Mormons, so they hadn't talked about tunnels, guardian angels, stuff like that. So, um, so, you know, this first one is the reality of the supernatural or the spiritual realm. The reason I share these stories is I want you to see, uh, to, to give you a little more hope of the reality of what we believe in, that maybe we'll never get to experience those kind of things. But uh, in, let's see, where is it? 4% of people in Germany and the USA, one in 25, or roughly 9 million Americans have had NDEs. And that's the ones that report it. If you don't hear about it, then don't be surprised because people tend to keep these things a secret or they're, because they know this is like too real, you know. Um, so just, just real quick here, there's, there's four aspects of heaven that, that we see throughout these stories. Uh, it's full of beauty, majesty, and awe is number one. Number two, all mysteries are solved. Um, and I just want to, uh, so th this story here, this is the last one that I'll read. Um, my whole, whole life appeared, I seem to be in like a three-dimensional panoramic view. Every event seemed to be accompanied by awareness of good and evil or by the insight of its cause and effect. I not only saw everything from my own point of view, but I also heard the thoughts of others as if their thoughts were lodged in mine. Uh, it meant that I not only saw, but what I had done and been involved in these events, but um, how these things had affected others as if I was seeing with all-knowing eyes. And throughout the review, there was the stress and the importance of love. I can't say how long this happened, um, but it was, oh, so it was clear to me why I'd had cancer, why I'd come into this world in the first place, what role each family member had played in my life, and where we're all within the grand scheme of things, and in general, what life is all about. The clarity and insight I had in this state are simply indescribable. I wanted to stay there, and yet I came back back to the pain and to the doctor's deafening screams and slaps. I'm furious, incredibly furious. From that moment, it was a real struggle to live my life inside my body with all the limitations I experienced at the time. But later I realized that this experience was in fact a blessing, for now I know that the mind and body are separate and there is life after death. Just radically changed her worldview. So she was getting revelation of things that you know, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, but sometimes it's hard to see it. But guess what? In heaven, it all becomes clear. Amen. Story after story. Um, th third thing, there's no amount of suffering, trial, or disappointments that are worthy to be compared with the glory that is revealed in us. We didn't get a chance to talk about the deaf stories, the, the blind seeing. Uh, you know, Revelation 20 says there's no more pain or no more tears. Uh, it's true. I mean, according to these testimonies, Seeing deceased relatives, having full mobility, restored health, beauty, fun, joy, everything you hope in heaven will be there in a thousand times more. Um, and then, of course, there's worship for thing being happening 24-7, throne of grace. It says, in his presence is fullness of joy and there are pleasures forevermore. 
One uh, thing that I forgot to mention previously, one NDE person expressed their surprise at how their deceased relative looked because they looked so old. And the relative explained that she could appear however she wanted and she immediately changed to a younger look. <laughs> so I'm taking that one when I get there. I'm also going to be dunking the basketball, <laughs> playing a lot of golf. Enemy stole some years of my golf days, so I'm going to be getting those back soon. Not soon, but you know. Um, relatively speaking. So here's the thing. Here, here's what happened after um, when Van Lommel re-interviewed patients after two and eight years of their NDEs. They reported life changes that differed significantly from those of a control group who had heart attacks but with no NDE. They have no more fear of death. They see the vast importance of love. They gravitate towards helping professions. They show greater empathy and compassion. And they're also less materialistic and often a bit uncomfortable living in a material world where so few understand enhanced spiritual values. It just changes their life. So the part of purpose of tonight was to, number one, revive our awareness of the supernatural or the spiritual realm. So I hope that we've done that a little bit. Uh, the fact that we are in a spiritual warfare, whether we like it or not. And also to stir up a hunger for you to grow in discerning and learning the supernatural and pressing in it, to just be more active, uh, you know, to seek those things which are above, to set your affection on, on things above, and also to give us a hope and a confidence of our final destination where there are millions of testimonies that say it really is there. And I think it's also cool from people that do not believe in God or believe in heaven. And furthermore, the, one, the ones, all the reports are, they're seeing the Son of God or Jesus, the Heavenly Father. They're not seeing Buddha or Muhammad or some other religion. So, you know, we got a lot of evidence that says God is true at his word and what he says here in his Bible really is the way it is. Um, so, yeah, the supernatural realm, you know, we... We live by faith, not the encounter, obviously. It, but, you know, faith takes you to something. Faith, uh, there's, there's a reality that happens when you engage in faith. Otherwise, it's just hope. I mean, there's no point. If, if faith doesn't take us somewhere like healing or salvation or, or deliverance or whatever it is, um, it, it leads us to encounters. You know, John 20, Jesus said, Blessed are they which have not seen and yet believed. And that's good and that's true, but nevertheless, we should, through faith, be experiencing things in the Lord, a supernatural realm. The disciples rebuked because they didn't believe those that told them about the resurrection, but it's stories like these that encourage me, you know, seeing past relatives, pets, mobility to dunk the basketball, changing age, you know. Uh, you know, it just, it just encourages me that maybe I'll never get to see what these 25 million plus have seen, but... But nevertheless, I still believe it by faith. And, and as you do that, as you uh, submit yourself to the Lord and to the Holy Spirit, then he begins to activate your spiritual sight. And we'll, so, you know, this was kind of the, the introduction to the reality of it. And in, in the next one, we'll talk about how to access it more, how to access the spiritual realm. That, that I think that's going to be number two, the, the title. And, and so there'll be a lot of stuff with that. So, um, yeah, um, as, as I'm going to pray for you, the, the last thing, which I didn't get a chance to share, I don't know if I'll get a chance to work it in, but most of the time when people get to heaven and they encounter Jesus, he is heaven. And it's all about Jesus. That's why, you know, Jesus is, uh, you know, at, sitting in, um, what does it say, Colossians 3.1, where Christ sits. I just can't emphasize that enough, that it's really all about Jesus. It's getting our eyes on Jesus, not not on following angels and all that stuff. But, but hey, I mean, let's let's be a part of that process as well. You know, with dealing with angels and and seeing things in the spirit because there is a reality there, hearing and, and so forth. So, so those would be some of the things that we talk about. So, um, yeah, and I'll have uh, uh, two months from now, I'll have a kind of an introduction video. Those of you that heard the or a part of the Hearing of God series that I did several years ago, you'll get, you might remember that video, but that'll be for the next time. So it's okay for me to pray, Eric, and then, okay. 
So, Father, I just pray uh, for everyone here tonight um, that that they would go away from this place with just a a hunger to know you and and to experience you more, Um, that the eyes of our heart, you know, as as Elisha prayed, as as Paul prayed in Ephesians, uh, where he said the eyes of our heart would be opened and flooded with light, I just pray, God, that those that, that, that showed up here tonight for this teaching, that you would open the eyes of their heart, that you would flood the eyes of their heart with light, and they would begin to see more in the spiritual realm and, and begin to, to have an understanding and, and a, uh, just a revelation of the reality of the spiritual realm that's all around them, that's all around us. So I just declare that and release that, and we thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. You're welcome. <laughs>